This podcast is for grown-ass people, so if you are under the age of 18, go away. Hello, and thanks for downloading another episode. Right off the bat, i got to thank uh, a couple people who have donated uh, very generously to the podcast. Um, one person who, uh, I'm not sure if she wants me to say her name or not, but she knows who she is, so thank you. Also, another person, Celeste, who donated... Uh, as well and you should know that when you donate uh, I'm not just taking it and spending it all on, on candy and beer or beer candy for that matter I, I, every penny I count and I, and I make sure I set aside for the for the podcast so uh, basically with the donations I've had in the last few weeks it, it's uh, easily paid for uh, this month's bandwidth and the website costs and I actually got to put a little bit aside for some new equipment so thank you again for donating if you'd like to donate as well you can go ahead and go on massacast.com and click on the donate button there and again thanks to those who, who did also um, got, a, got a voicemail you can leave a voicemail I'm getting more of these you can use the Skype voicemail and that's uh, massacast M-A-S-O-C-A-S-T is the username or you can call and leave a voicemail like this gentleman did at 917-720-7304. Hello, my name's Desmond. I'm in Chicago. I was just calling to comment about your Mastercast. I'm going through the archives right now and catching up with some of the older shows and also just recently heard your new show with Raul. It was really interesting to hear the point of view of another submissive male. I'm I'm thinking I might be switched myself. I just got into the BDSM scene, and I'm kind of filling everything out and stumbled across your podcast a while ago. I love the interviews with the dominant women that you've had on the show, and this is the first interview I've heard with a submissive male so far, and um, I'm really liking that as well. And if you can squeeze a few more in there, that would be awesome. Catch up with your letter. Bye. Yeah, thank you for the uh, for the voicemail. And, and uh, I had a lot of people who commented on Raul's uh, episode and yeah, I do plan on uh, recording more episodes. Hopefully, Raul will sit down again because we'd like to know how his uh, production of the Ass Bandito is coming. But um, uh, I'm always looking for more submissive and dominant people of all genders, and uh, um, hopefully, we'll get more soon. So yeah, I, I agree. Today, talking with uh, Guinevere Severe, who I sat down with in Central Park. It was uh, it was one of the nicer nights in Central Park, and you can hear the crickets chirping. Um, hopefully it doesn't get too distracting for you, but uh, had a lot of fun sitting down with her, and here it is. I had always kind of known it without really knowing what it was. I started poking around the Purple Passion website when I was about 15, and when I was in high school, I was a goth girl, so mainly when I was a goth girl, I would end up on BDSM-oriented websites to look for corsets and whatnot, <laughs> so then I... Um, got some exposure to it, but I never really got a chance to play in my personal life. So then when I was in high school, I had this girlfriend who ran away from home, moved to Canada and became a stripper and then came back and decided she wanted to be a dom. (laughs) And so then that's how I kind of learned what a dominatrix was. Mm -hmm. I uh, never saw her again, but um, it gave me an idea that I applied about three years later during my last semester in college when I was tired of working at a bar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you thought, because you, you'd had enough conversations with her to know what the job entailed? Or, no. No, you didn't? <laughs> you just thought, if she can do it, I can do it. Well, yes, I knew that it, um, did not, that it was perfectly legal in New York State and did not involve prostitution. Of course. And I thought, you know what? I'm really sick of working 40 hours a week while going to school full-time mm-hmm. and getting off work at 4 in the morning. Mm-hmm. There's got to be an easier way, but then I have my principles. Yeah. So, um, 
at this point, I had always, say, asked partners if I could tie them up, but nobody ever let me. So I had some curiosity and was still poking around the Purple Passion website from time to time. Yeah. So then I go to a dungeon, and um, my first day there, I got kind of freaked out. What happened that first day that freaked you out? Was it just the general well, feel of it, or...? Uh, just, I wasn't expecting to be, um, giving, uh, an old guy a Novocaine shot and pulling on his tooth. So, and considering I had had no previous exposure to things to that extent, yeah. it, um, kind of overwhelmed me a little bit, so. I imagine it would. You were giving, the first day, you were giving a guy a Novocaine shot in the, in the mouth, not a, not, you're not play acting, you were actually giving a Novocaine shot and pulling on his tooth. Uh, yes. This wow. Was a few years ago. Wow. That's, that's, talk about trial by fire. So basically my thought was, okay, I don't want to kill this guy. Um, duh, is this how it's normally going to be? <laughs> Did you have someone helping you at least? No. Whoa. I can't even imagine. That is the most, your first day, someone just says, oh, here you go. Here's a shot of Novocaine. Or did he bring the Novocaine? He brought it. Okay, he brought his own Novocaine. Then I went to work at a different dungeon the next day. (laughs) So I um, had a few experiences of getting freaked out. At first I thought, you know, I don't know if I can do this, but I only have one semester of college left that I'm going to go look for work in an office and it'll be over. However, that was around the time I met a few clients and coworkers who really showed me that it could be fun. What were the things that made you realize that it was fun for you instead of just something that freaked you out a little bit? What were these things? that uh, Is is there anything specific come to mind? Was it just the people in general? Not so much specifics. Um, I will admit, uh, I'm not proud of it, but I always had the notion before that that quote-unquote S&M people were dark and uh, messed up. I mean, I was a psychology major in school. So then when I realized uh, what my interests really were, and started being honest with myself sexually mm-hmm. and started to realize what had always kind of turned me on but I never really got the chance to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly I had uh, come to that realization with the help of clients and coworkers who um, were normal and uh, honest about their proclivities and... I don't know. Give me an example of something that you realized, oh, wow, I really enjoy X. Well, first of all... I am very sadistic. I remember when I was a kid, I asked my mother what a sadist was, and she said, someone who likes to see other people suffer. So I had, in um, playing and learning a bit more about about it, I I wasn't ashamed of it when I learned that it didn't have to be a bad thing. Right. I mean, when I heard it from my mother, I thought, oh, that's horrible. What kind of a mean person's like that? (laughs) So when it was okay for me to be sadistic, it... um, Help me be a little bit more um, comfortable with being honest. Not just, I imagine it was not just um, uh, comfortable, but the fact that someone else would really love it when you did it was probably right. a relief. Which is important. Yeah. I mean, um, when I was in high school, I used to get off on uh, sexually frustrating boyfriends. Okay. Um, what I now term tease and denial. But um, I do believe that it really was not okay in a context where it wasn't consensual okay that was cruel uh, uh, people, but, are um, gonna, people are going to be kicking me if i don't ask 
So you 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 purposely went out to do basically tease and denial to your boyfriends in high school. I mean, it was you you set out to frustrate them, is what you're saying. Well, no, I'm not saying I set out to do that. I'm just saying that's uh, how it would always happen, and I kind of you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least ask. So I had to ask the question. When you, um, when you do play in your personal life, how do you, how do you go about finding someone, or do they just happen to find you, or how does that happen when you when you find someone for your personal life? Uh, well, the way it would have to work for me, the way I'm interested, mm-hmm. is um, I just don't have enough patience to have a lot of slaves. Uh, for me, the ideal situation would be I have a girlfriend or boyfriend. Mm-hmm. We're kinky in the bedroom. The boyfriend or girlfriend is submissive in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's an off switch. For example, they're not always like, "What flavor of ice cream should I get, mistress?" Yeah. Um, it's just, and then this person also has a vanilla life. Yeah. Like this person has a job and uh, stuff like that. Do Do you find it hard to, to meet someone uh, for your personal life, or is it? Are you beating them off with a stick? I have found that with women, um, it's a lot easier to get kinks um, worked out with dating vanillas than it is for men, I would think, Yeah. Um, regardless of a woman's orientation. I mean, I, for example, um, from clients um, especially, I hear stories all the time how um, they can't tell their wives and girlfriends about the kink and they don't even need to tell me stories what, about that. Yeah. It's usually obvious yeah. with them being my clients. Yeah. Um, whereas... I've found that when a woman um, tells a man, I would it would really turn me on if I tied you up. If they're totally vanilla, the man, in a lot of cases, has just been like, okay, as long as I can stick my dick somewhere, or if you want to tie me up, that's fine. And then with lesbians, um, I've found a lot of them are extremely open to my uh, portable arsenal. <laughs> if they're vanilla. Whereas um, I think with men, it's a lot harder. I don't know if that's the if it's that way with all orientations for men. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, I think it's easier for dominant guys, perhaps because there's uh, vanilla women. Uh, I, I when I for the past up until about a year ago, I was doing a lot of vanilla dating because it was so much easier to get vanilla dates. It was very easy. It was, I'd be at a bar and women would hand me their numbers, which was okay, fine. We'll go on a date or something like that. But um, vanilla women. Uh, when you when you say that when you mention that you're kinky or something like that, they immediately assume that you're dominant if you're a guy. Uh, and then when you say, well, actually, then they're they're like, well, that's just wrong. The guy's supposed to be the dominant. You know, that's what that's usually the case. If they're if they're open to BDSM, they're usually open to being submissive. I can definitely see how that would be an issue. One woman I know who um, she liked me a lot, and I thought she I liked her too, but I wasn't really. I mean, we had gone on one date. And then I confessed to her. I told her, well, you should know, you know, to be honest, I wanted to kind of let her down easily. So I thought, well, if I make myself, if I tell her about myself, she won't be interested anymore. You know, it's such a nice, it's such a nice way to get, you know. Uh, and so I told her and she was totally for it. I'm like, ah, it backfired on me, you know. So, but I, still, I liked her enough. So we went on it and she, it was clear she was not getting off on it at all. She was just hoping that I would get off on it so that when I try to explain it to her that, it's it's uh, it's not about me getting certain needs met, like you know, oh I need to be tied up or I need to be X Y and Z. It's about needing to be with someone who gets off on doing these type of things. She just couldn't get her head around the fact that it, 
that she had to get off on it for me to get off on it, you know? I was like that at first. Yeah. Well, how long did it take until you were really, you realized, you know, the light bulb went off? I would say about a month. A month? <laughs> Are there any specific things that you, uh, did you look for in someone that, that you really want them to be into or open yes. to you? What are those things, uh, if you don't mind me asking? Bondage, mm-hmm. NT, uh, pussy torture and cock torture. Mm-hmm. I like those a lot. And the fact that I uh, really like the help of my Hitachi. The Hitachi magic wand. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very popular, I hear. Oh, yes. It's, uh, I call it uh, Mr. Buzzy. <laughs> so, um, they help, they, they help you with it, or you, you no, force it on them? No, I have to use it myself. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, I really like using it and coming all over people's faces. That's always... <laughs> I think I just got the quote of the podcast right there. <laughs> I think that's the... So, what are you looking for, then, uh, when it comes to a sub, uh, submissive or a play part? What, what qualities are you looking for? Someone who is compatible with my style of play. Mm-hmm. How would you describe your style of play? Kind of rough and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you, you like to manhandle? Kind of rough and wet, yeah. Yeah. Rough and wet? <laughs> okay, please. Okay, uh, with lots of bodily fluids. Oh, okay. And I receive none of them. <laughs> I think that's well put. Do you, not, do you feel different, uh, say, if you were going to cane someone as opposed to... Well, when I'm, ca- when I'm doing corporal, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that's like um, the loving teacher or um, motherly type. Just the, it's all for your own good side. <laughs> but then with electricity, no, it's just me being a mean bitch. <laughs> That is the, that is both very sweet and very sexy at the same time. Thank that's, you. That's a very nice description. That's very. Nice. <laughs> and what about needle play? Because that's something that I've very limited experience with, and it both scares me and intrigues me at the same time. Well, I just always found the sight of a needle penetrating someone's skin very sexy. Mm-hmm. The other day on the History Channel, I uh, saw this little clip of a Victorian woman shooting heroin. So she rolls up her sleeve and just falls to the floor in her bustly gown where the needle goes in her arm. And, oh, God, I masturbated for like an hour after that. Wow. <laughs> I think this is, this is the first. We've never had anyone on record saying that they masturbated to the History Channel. Oh, I masturbate to the History Channel all the time. Oh, wow. And so, HGTV. It's the... Well, what's on HGTV that you... Well... I like renovations. <laughs> so, if someone were to automatically, if, if you were to walk into someone's, if you're going to go into a dinner party or something like that, just a group of friends, could be vanilla or not, and all of a sudden someone starts tiling their kitchen floor, you're going to get, that's going to turn you on? Mind you, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. I have a Hitachi, so I really don't have to be that turned on <laughs> to uh, pleasure myself. You don't have to be that picky. Right. Uh, I, I, I hope you don't mind if I ask about the Hitachi. Um, I've, I've got friends who are just obsessed with the idea of owning one, but they're worried that if, you, if they buy a Hitachi that it's going to desensitize them or that they will only be able to get off on that or that they're, they're not going to want anything else in their entire lives. Well, I never got off before I had one. 
Really? Really. So that's the that's a magic wand for a reason. Yes. And do you find it? Uh, is that? This might be too personal. Is that still the only way you can get off, or has it? Yes. Really? So it's still, that it's pretty nice then. It's great. Yeah. What uh, what made you decide? Okay, I'm going to try this. Is it because everyone else said, "Oh, this will work. If nothing else works for you, this will work." Yeah, or, it was a birthday present a couple years ago. And you didn't know it was going to be all that great, and you tried, you turned it on, and right. I mean, you don't think if I couldn't get off for over for 23 years, you don't think I've tried everything before. Right. Every kind of person, every kind of toy. Yeah. It, it's not as though I was not making the effort. Right. So I didn't think it would work, and it did not work at first, even. I, I'm intrigued to ask more. Do you mind? Sure. Well. So how did how did this happen? So you mainly it was in my head. Yeah. So once you one day you decided, okay, I'm just gonna spend more time with this thing, and and it just happened. Well, just mainly I turned off a switch in my head to kind of let go, and then I uh, made a huge mess and thought I pissed myself. But no, then I realized I was a squirter. Then I got very self conscious about that. And then I watched a lot more porn, worked for a porn company, and realized a lot of people like that. Yeah. So then I became comfortable with that. That's good. The, really, the, the uh, I've just started a relationship with someone, uh, but it started out as just a service relationship where I would show up, I would clean or do whatever chores she wanted to do, and that would be it. And it was it was really nice. And now it's sort of both that and the other aspects of the relationship. And the nice thing about it is is that um, there are there are those times, like you said, that there's a switch off, you know. But it seems to be instinctual, because uh, it's not just in the bedroom. It seems to be instinctual of, of when that switch is on and when that switch is off. I find what makes it truly fun, I mean, having both aspects of my lifestyle mm-hmm. um, and relationships, is um, it's just a lot more fun when it's... Um, even though I've never been that good at compartmentalization, mm-hmm. um, and it's not so much dualism that I like. For example, clients who um, have that then go home to their uh, families in the suburbs. Yeah. Um, I find that it's a lot of fun when I can be Clark Kent, and then um, just that is partly what makes the Superman thing all the more exciting. Yeah. I mean, when I was a full-time dom, and when I worked for um, the uh, video production company with Domina M, mm-hmm. um, just... At the end of the day, I would think, "Oh, I don't want to see another ball gag again." Yeah, yeah. So that begs the question then: Is that when you, um, when you were, you said you were in a relationship with a submissive for two years, and um, you'd be working all day, and when you'd come home, would you, would you ever? I mean, how would you play? I wouldn't want to. First of all, yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, that was my thought. Is that is that you you uh, you probably. I mean, if you're playing all day, come home. The last thing you want to do is play, right? Yes. Um, as when I was at DomCon last May, um, Mistress uh, from Houston mm-hmm. uh, was saying um, that she used to feel bad because her husband, who's a submissive, would um, never get to reap the benefits that her clients did. Yeah. So she said. If you never want to get played again, marry a pro dom. <laughs> like you mentioned, uh, like uh, the women that you've dated have been very open-minded. How does that come up in conversation? One of the when you're meeting somebody, one of the first few questions that comes up is usually, "What do you do?" Yeah. And for a while, it was, um, 
oh, I work with um, the middle-aged and elderly. Well, I uh, dress up in costumes and hit them. <laughs> so that's what you'd say. And, and how did they usually react? They were just like, wow. Better than when I say I'm an accountant. Really? <laughs> <laughs> they're probably pretty... And you think it's because they're like, oh, wow, I've got to see what this is all about. Is that what it is? Or, yes. Yeah. So their curiosity gets the better of them? I would say, I mean, I would only really tell people that who I first met when I during my first year as a dom. Yeah. That was when I thought it was cool. I just liked the shock value of it. Yeah. I have a few friends who are into BDSM and they are uh, bisexual. And they say it's so much easier. uh, These are guys. They say it's so much easier to find kinky play partners. And they say it's so easy because you can walk in and you can find an attractive guy who likes to either get beaten or beat people uh, within an hour. You know, you can find someone. Whereas I have another friend who's lesbian, and she says it is so difficult to for her to go to the lesbian bar and do the same thing. Is that just because guys are horny or something? I don't know. Or what is it? That I don't know, but I do remember another thing my mom said. Mind you, my mother made my website, my Dom website, so... Even if she said a few misleading things, she did a couple good things for my cause. Well, one of them, when I came out for a while in college and told her I was a lesbian, uh-huh. she said, well, be careful because a lot of lesbians are into S&M since they hate themselves. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so that also, I think, kind of represents some ignorance um, with the main, with mainstream uh, Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I know if I told my mom even half of the stuff I was into, she'd probably completely freak out as well but your mom knows she made my website yeah Yeah. so how did how did that conversation go well this was kind of funny I had this conversation with her a couple years ago um, when I told her and my stepfather uh, what I did uh-huh. um, this was a little bit funny I was also in the midst of telling her that uh, I had a lesbian lover mm-hmm. but she doesn't like Hispanic people, so what was really kind of scaring me was how she would react when I would tell her my lesbian lover was Puerto Rican after telling her I was a dominatrix and had a lesbian lover. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's a lot of stuff for her to handle at once. She was really cool about all of it. Oh, she wow. She said, um, so when I explained to her that way, I dress up in costumes and hit people. Oh, so you're a dominatrix. Oh, well... As long as you're happy and you're safe, and I'm sure that uh, this girl you're seeing is a wonderful person. Holy crap. Good for you. Yes. That is beautiful. Thanks again to Guinevere for sitting down and talking with me. You know, uh, we, we've, uh, we've had a big shortage of people who uh, could record theme songs, and I'm hoping that my friend Meg will record another few songs for the, sh- for the podcast. And ho- feel free to email your own as well, massacast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll see you in another couple of weeks.